everybody, and welcome to the first ever episode of Track Point Talks, the exclusive higher education podcast from the faculty here at ThinkPad University. I'm Casey Sutton, the TPU Campus Ambassador, and I'll be your guide for today. <laughs> Think of Track Point Talks as your informative resource for the latest industry trends and how those trends are affecting higher education. With this super easy-to-access podcast, you can get the inside scoop, to boost your school's IT success wherever and whenever you want. So without further ado, let's bring on today's guest to chat about augmented reality and virtual reality, so AR and VR, in higher education. Brian Moynihan is a Global Education Solutions Manager here at Lenovo, and I'm really excited to have him here for our inaugural episode. So no pressure, Brian. Yeah, thanks for having me, Casey. I'm honored to be here as your inaugural guest, um, and I'm excited to share. Uh, before I came to Lenovo, I was actually working with these technologies at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, um, running groups for students and faculty and for everyone. Um, so I'm definitely passionate about what can be done with them in higher ed, and I think this is a great topic. So thanks for, for having me on. Well, that makes me actually super pumped because not only do you kind of understand our Lenovo side of it, but you've it sounds like you've got that kind of tactical, hands-on engagement aspect coming from the higher ed world and working with these technologies that I think a lot of folks will agree, while they've been in the background and talked about in buzzwords for a lot of years, I feel like they're just really starting to become um, topics that that people are ready to start implementing on a regular basis. So, which brings me to a point, before we, you know, dive in too far into how AR and VR are really revolutionizing tech on campuses across the country and across the world, you know, why don't we take a step back for a second and first break down what these technologies are at a high level. So, can you just start by explaining some of the key differences between augmented reality compared to virtual reality? Sure, absolutely. So let's start with virtual reality or VR. At a high level, virtual reality is a technology that uses a head-mounted display to fully immerse the user in a three-dimensional virtual world. So the user controls the experience with some sort of input device, typically a handheld remote, and virtual reality environments are immersive, believable, and explorable. And uh, I've heard virtual reality, the, the term itself was termed as why is it reality as opposed to something else like spatial computing or something. And they're saying because it, it's basically like an, um, uh, a digital world with a U-sized hole cut out of it. <laughs> <You know>? So <laughs> it's the opposite of your body, right? It, it, and so that idea of the, the body in space is a really critical um, key idea here as well. There's a range of experiences that we could consider um, VR. Um, anything from being tethered to a PC where you have a really powerful PC and you have a wire and, and you're wearing a headset or something that's standalone. Um, and then generally also VR comes in two flavors. So either we're talking about three degrees of freedom or we say three DOF or six degrees of freedom, six DOF. And in both cases, you're immersed in a virtual world and you can interact and look all around you. But in three DOF, the headset allows you to look up, down, right, left, all around you in virtual space, but you stay in one physical location. And with six DOF, you can also walk around in the virtual space. So Lenovo supports six DOF VR experiences tethered to computer with things like the Oculus Rift S and three DOF VR experiences on a standalone headset with a Mirage VR S3. So that's VR. Okay, and I think probably one really important distinction to make there is the fact that, like you said, you put on this headset and everything else goes away, right? As the user, all I can see is what is being presented to me in this headset. I've completely entered a new virtual world. Do you think that's kind of a fair way to put it? Yeah, absolutely. 
Okay, cool. So now let's kind of jump over the fence and talk about augmented reality. So augmented reality or AR at a high level, that's an interactive experience of a real world environment where the objects that reside in the world around the user are enhanced by computer generated graphics and information. So you're still seeing the real world, um, but you're also seeing something on top of that, which is virtual. And AR can be defined by three distinct features. So it's a combination of real and virtual worlds, real-time interaction, and an accurate 3D registration of the virtual and real objects. So you can think of AR as offering 3 off and 6 off uh, experience as well, uh, three, to, 3 degrees of freedom and 6 degrees of freedom, with some headsets giving a 3 off heads-up display where the information appears on your headset but doesn't track your position in space, and a 6 off headset allowing you to walk all around 3D objects uh, fixed in a position in the room. So Lenovo's work with AR through, uh, has a long history of this actually, working back to 2006, we did the Fab Pro 2 using Google Tango on the phone. Uh, the Jedi Challenge is something you can do in your living room. It's an amazing thing where you can swing around a lightsaber. And um, our new devices, which are um, really for more of the commercial audience, but I think would work in higher ed as well in many cases, is the A3 and A6 headsets, um, which offer the the 3DOF and 6DOF experiences I just mentioned. Okay, got it. That's that's perfect. And those are some things that, you know, I've had some hands on experience with. And so just to reiterate again in this scenario, I'm still seeing the whole room around me and all the objects that are right here in my actual world. And now we're just layering some of these virtual objects on top. Yeah, yeah. And then the people who like to dive in a little deeper, as I know many of our higher ed people would, <laughs> there's a there's a whole continuum between uh, reality and virtuality. And some people um, will will sort of dial that up and down. And there's some talk about things like mirror worlds, um, where um, real world objects will be fully virtual, but then you can turn it off different visions of it. Um, there's, a, there's an a, approach to where you would um, do video pass through and add things onto the real world. So you're still wearing a headset, but you would see it. And uh, so there's, a, there's a number of different mixes, but sticking with AR and VR is the, is the easiest way to go. Right. Well, because then there's the matrix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So now that we've kind of laid the foundation here and people kind of have a good sense of what these technologies are, being AR kind of versus VR. Let's let's get into the nitty gritty a little bit. So we all know how important it is to accommodate different majors, different lessons, different study styles for, you know, all the folks that are, are taking part in higher education. And we know how crucial it is for institutions to innovate within an area in order to achieve results as well as stand out to prospective students, right? Because they're trying to recruit the best students in the country and across the globe. So let's start here. What majors do you think would benefit most from VR platforms and how can we apply them to our institutions? Um, so actually, one of the things I used to do is, is give a talk and I would challenge uh, an audience full of people, just give me any topic, any um, discipline at the university, any profession, and um, try to come up with something that VR could not help with. <laughs> you know, and so it, it really is everything. Um, so if we're looking at VR, we've seen higher levels of student engagement, as well as strong retention of information in virtual settings. And so you can see it's a definitely a powerful tool for learning. And as you mentioned, it's, um, it's something that's multi-modal. It's something that affects every aspect of human experience. And it's actually something that's computing coming closer to the human experience. So it's how we move around in space. Um, it is how we move our body. It can interact in all those different ways. Um, so really, I see it across computer science, the humanities, social science, physical sciences, language learning, professional schools like business and nursing. It's really everywhere. Um, and so... Uh, 
basically some examples though, and we're seeing a lot in with medical students. Um, so how to remain calm in high pressure situations, um, things like practicing um, surgeries on virtual patients. This is an environment where you can learn these physical skills and you can learn the mental skills and you can even learn the stress of the environment and what it might be like without actually um, causing any harm if something goes wrong. And you can practice something that's rare and hard to find in the real world. Um, also using virtual cadavers, uh, or you can zoom in on microscopic levels to see what you're looking at and then see the experience from a different way. So you could be inside the bloodstream, this whole sort of vision that people like to talk about of the uh, magic school bus. Uh, you could be on Mars. You can be anywhere in, in VR and do things that were impossible or dangerous in other situations. Uh, but it's not just medical students. It's like art students can push the boundaries of our understanding of art by being able to create experiences in 3D programs that go beyond simple painting and sculpture. Um, there's some really cool examples for that, um, both in AR, VR. And then art and engineering students can render complex systems in real time and get hands on with the projections of the real world. And even, you know, we're thinking about all kinds of different ways of understanding simulation, visualization. Um, all these things are enhanced by VR. So it's something that I think when when somebody's excited about it, they like me, they, they get really excited. They can't uh, like to think about all the different ways that it can make things happen. Yeah. So I really like some of these examples. And, and you've just opened the door to it. So I'm going to I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit and I'm going to see if I can stump you. What about um, students in uh, the College of Education, right? <laughs> the students who are actually learning to become teachers. Is there an example mm -hmm. you could think of where VR would be good for them? Yeah, absolutely. A full range of that. Um, one of the things that I think is sort of non-intuitive. Um, so when you think about architecture or when you think about computer science, um, there's, there's sort of like obvious places that, that VR would play a role. And education, as you mentioned, not necessarily as obvious. But one of the things that we think about is how do you teach students, uh, young students, graph literacy as one of the most important 21st century skills that, that students can have. But it's there's an abstraction. How do you tie that into the body? Um, and so I really like um, this Vi Hart, who was one of my favorite uh, researchers, had had come up with a situation where by moving your arms around forward, back, left, right, you're able to see on a graph how that affects the graph, the X axis, the Y axis, the Z axis. So just by moving the body, which any, you know, five year old can do very easily uh, in VR, you'd be able to to see how that plays out on a graph. So I think that's one um, interesting use case. Um, another one is um, having difficult conversations. Um, so one of the things that we've seen a, um, a school of education do in a master's program is they have when they have to talk to a student about um, a special education programming, um, then they there would be the teacher involved. There would be the special education teacher, the parent, the student, things like that. Um, it's a difficult situation that sometimes can be stressful of knowing how to do it. And then sort of lots of ins and outs of the dynamics of the people who are involved in the conversation. This is something that you can practice in VR. Um, and get better at. Um, so whether you're talking about sort of soft skills or you're talking about knowledge or something you could do with your hands, um, there's a whole range of applications um, that we've seen people using. I absolutely love that. I mean, every example you've given like really hits home. They're great, you know, real life situations that you can picture people using VR in. But that last one, I, I like especially well, because you tell me a discipline out there where at some point you don't have to have some sort of difficult engagement or conversation. And this kind of allows you that free space of trial and error and to work through those types of difficult um, 
conversations and situations uh, with very low risk. So I think that's an excellent way to think of it. And again, a way that you could picture pretty much any discipline finding a great way to adapt VR. So let's kind of flip the, the switch a little bit and talk about AR. Where are some unique use cases for that technology within the higher education space? Sure. Um, so AR, you're seeing lots of examples in colleges and universities in the, in the classroom. Um, so at the high end, um, you might buy a really expensive headset for a few thousand dollars and you'd be able to have uh, six degrees of freedom in expectation where you'd be able to walk all around um, a body, for instance, for an anatomy class. So there's, a, there's some good examples there. Um, and one of the examples that we had when we did when I was at UNC when I was there was to teach history by having students um, in a historic um, 1600 setting with wood paneling, tables and shelves um, and having a statue of Sir Walter Raleigh come to life as a full size hologram in the room <laughs> and then ask you trivia questions about the space. And the way that the students could interact with it is they would answer the question by looking at and pointing at clicking on uh, different uh, pieces of furniture in the room. So it was definitely this, um, you know, everybody was being involved in the experience in a very immersive way. And a cool thing that I liked about that one, too, is that it was actually a group setting. So one person will wear the headset and other people will be outside. So this is something I think that um, people who are new to the technology don't necessarily think about these um, asymmetric ways of using the technology where maybe not every single person has a headset on at the same time, although you certainly could. Um, so that's the high end, thinking about that. But then there's the low end as well, where some schools are using phone-based approaches to incorporate AR into their curriculum. So you can imagine a, a common example is Google's World Lens or Google Translate, where you can hold it up to something and people learning a different language can see the written materials translated into English or whatever their native language is from the other language. Um, or astronomy students can wear a, a headset, look up at the sky and see um, where all of the uh, constellations are in um, augmented reality and uh, mapped against the sky right where they are. Um, and so anytime you can really think about how you want to augment a, an experience around the user, whether for visualizing data, virtually seeing through walls, you know, seeing ghosts coming out of a graveyard <laughs> or something like that and telling you their story, um, there's a lot of ways to interact with your environment. And, and that's where AR is a good way to go. And you know, you you know, you talking about this just makes me think, of course, there's some really awesome ways, like you've already mentioned, for using these types of technologies in the classroom. But I can see some really practical use cases for this in a higher education institution outside of that as well, right? You're here for a freshman orientation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have developed an app that allows you to use your phone and augmented reality to have a self-guided tour to make it to the cafeteria or to your dorm or to the football field, whatever it may be. Um, and again, just like a really practical use case in a scenario like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so that could be, you know, arrows on the ground that are showing you which way to go. Um, or, you know, classically people catching Pokemon, probably less of an educational thing, but, <laughs> um, but, and the, um, or, or other things like you're mentioning where if you're looking at a, a historic university and then you can look at the history of the building that you're looking at, right? That's kind of amazing as well. Exactly. And again, when we talked earlier about the fact that 
recruitment is a big piece of the higher education puzzle. You know, they want to make sure they're getting the best students and putting their best foot forward. And implementing these types of technologies may seem like simple steps, but they're the kind of things that really grab the attention of students and their parents and help them when they're making decisions about what school they want to invest in and have become their alma mater. So I think that's a really important aspect to consider as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm very much convinced, um, and it's not exactly sure you know what's going to happen in one year or five years but it's it's a definite trend towards um getting away from flat rectangles (laughs) so our phones are flat rectangles our monitors are flat our tvs are flat rectangles and then if you but that's not um what humans are are sort of bound to be part of right we uh, i think we're moving towards the spatial web um and we're seeing actually 3d technologies in places that people wouldn't necessarily assume um when they first think about it so you're seeing it in self-driving cars and robots and drones um, you could see how it, it ties together with artificial intelligence to make sense of things and or even blockchain to be able to en- enable new um, ways of things working automatically through trust or payment systems. Um, so it's um, it's definitely a, a new world out there. And I think we'll, we'll see a replacement of the web that we know today, which has sort of a textual model, um, moving increasingly towards the spatial model of a, sort of a map of the world and digital twins. Um, so to me, this is one of the things that makes it exciting to be in the space. Well, I agree. And you kind of are setting me up for another good point. And that is when you start talking about all these heavy duty technologies, AR, VR, um, you mentioned artificial intelligence. This is a big part of what makes a lot of these technologies and applications work really well. But I mean, tell me if I'm wrong here, Brian, but I would imagine that your run of the mill, you know, just average daily PC is not necessarily the kind of system that can handle these types of platforms. I feel like you need to harness a lot more power. Is that fair or am I just totally off base? No, that's absolutely true. Um, So for tethered VR experiences, you want to have powerful workstations um, with a nice graphics card and and really built to be able to run things in VR. Um, If you went and got a a, a VR um, Package something like the Oculus Rift S, which is uh, made with our partner Oculus, um, but sold by Lenovo and made by Lenovo. Um, that is something that if you had that and you tried to run it on um, a lower powered workstation, then it, it just wouldn't work at all. <laughs> so you need to be able to have that for the tethered experiences. Um, but one of the things that we're, we're seeing universities do is sometimes they've got these computer labs that are sort of built for the higher end stuff or, or for esports is a wonderful place as well. And that's a fantastic way to take something that it would be used sort of some part of the time for esports, but for the rest of the time could be used to build and explore educational environments and use VR um, and take advantage of the powerful graphics cards and the power that comes from the, these um, workstations. Um, and then outside of tethered VR, you've got these standalone headsets. Um, so you've got things like the um, the 3DOF uh, Mirage VR S3 headset, which we're using for, for my solution, VR Classroom 2. Um, and that's newly designed. Um, and it's designed um, to make it easy, small form factor, works really well for... Um, for distance learning, um, as well as in the classroom. And I think increasingly in this time of COVID-19 that we're going to see sort of this blended approach where um, it's distance learning, but maybe on-campus distance, (laughs) like within a mile away distance um, approach. And so these headsets work really well for that. And and what powers that um, is a platform called Think Reality, um, which is a, a 
MDM platform, a mobile device management platform that makes it easy for IT admins to control headsets. So if you have, you can go into web-based interface and you can have thousands of headsets, however many you have, 50 headsets, and you can add, remove, and update content from all those things, no matter where they are. As long as they're turned on and connected to the cloud, um, you're good to go. Um, and then from a teacher point of view, we have Land School Air. So Land School Air is a platform that makes it easier for teachers to control the headset. So um, they can create a class, hit a button, and then launch everybody into the same experience at the same time. So whether they're in the same classroom or whether they're around the world, um, that still works. Um, and so when we're thinking about this at Lenovo, we're definitely thinking about, yeah, the sort of out-of-the-box PC that people have. Um, they, that won't work for their Tether VR, but also for these thinking about the standalone and then really thinking about how do we design solutions, like solving the whole problem for somebody um, where it's not just a, a single user, but we're thinking about the organization and how that all comes together. You know, just based off of what you're talking about, I mean, even especially the Mirage is a great example of this. I can almost see a future that's not far away at all where, um, you know, a student gets their syllabus for the semester and here's the textbooks that we need you to buy. And also, by the way, here's the headset that you'll need, you know, weekly for our virtual sessions and those experiences. Do you think that that's something we'll see sooner rather than later? I think increasingly so because um, uh, and it does cost more, for instance, if somebody wanted to have a one-to-one that every student had their own VR headset, but that, that doesn't have to happen. Um, so um, in the in the earlier days, pre-COVID days, we would, um, you know, wheel 36 headsets into a classroom. People would um, put them on their heads and, and and then it would take the cart into the next classroom and do that again. And that's still very possible in many situations, um, it, you know, with sanitization in between use. Um, but I think increasingly we're going to move to this model where people are going to be borrowing. So Lenovo, we're looking into new options, how this could be done. But like, for instance, Lenovo has smart lockers that somebody could come up and um, grab a headset, um, use it for their course period, and then drop it back off. So we'll see that, I think, increasingly in in places in higher red um, in the fall. And to jump back really quickly to some of the tethered experiences, you you were mentioning a lot about high-powered graphics cards, for example, and, uh, you know, that always makes me jump directly to our P-Series workstation line of products. But, you know, I'm curious, we, that portfolio is pretty robust. We've got tiny form factors and desktop. We've got towers, we've got mobile workstations. So are there particular flavors of devices within our P-Series lineup that most directly usually align with those tethered VR experiences? Um, you'll want to check when you're getting your um, your PC that it makes sure that it has the, the specs that you need for the thing you're trying to do. And so, you know, if you're going to buy... Um, uh, the VR platform, um, then you can look and see what the minimum specs are, uh, etc. I mean, certainly the the Legion line that I mentioned, um, used for esports, is um, fantastic for that. And then also, um, we have a partnership with this headset. Um, if people really want to go high end, and, and I know that some people in, in higher ed do, um, is to think about the Vario headset, which is the most um, high level graphics that you can get. I mean, so this is an expensive headset, I'll have to say, <laughs> and you'll need a really nice PC to be able to run it, but it's amazing. I mean, the the level, the field of view is really incredible. Um, and it's where you can really read text and do things that are needed for some sorts of um, applications where you really need that. I, I would say, again, surgery is one of those things, um, but people don't need that for everything. But if you look at the specs on your PC before you're buying it, that would be a, a good way to make sure that you're getting what you need. 
because I think that people are going to have a range of, uh, of needs um, based on what they're trying to do with it. Well, Brian, we're almost running out of time here on our first episode of Trackpoint Talks. Um, so first, let me just say a huge thank you to you for sharing all of your vast knowledge. But I would really like to wrap it up just by understanding, you know, is there any university, is there any institution out there today that you think is already doing this pretty well. They're embracing the technology early and they're finding excellent ways to integrate it into their educational experience. Sure, absolutely. Um, Thank you very much for having me on the show. It's been great talking with you as well. Um, One of the things I I think is is a nice model if people are looking out there for um, how another university is is doing this. I think the University of Michigan uh, has a a really nice approach for what they're doing with XR. And XR is a term extended reality that sort of lumps together AR and VR. And it's a multidisciplinary program, which is one of the things I like so much about it. It's not built out of computer science and stays there and only there or somewhere else. It's people coming and getting a degree in something and then getting a graduate certificate in XR, which means that they're mixing with people from different um, backgrounds and they're applying it in different ways. Um, and also one of the things that's um, unique about the University of Michigan is they've had a really strong online offering as well. Um, and so thinking about how XR can be used, uh, AR and VR can be used both on campus and online, um, I think that's definitely um I'm going to resonate with people as the future of, of where we're going with uh, higher education and ARVR. And um, also, you don't have to feel alone. Many people who start uh, working in this space um, feel like they don't know where to go. Um, so uh, a couple of organizations I just wanted to let people know about. One of them is the Immersive Learning Research Network. That's I-L-R-N or I-Learn. Um, is a great place to get connected to people from around the world who are working on this um, and really thinking deeply about for all these different disciplines how um, AR and VR can play a role. And then also educators in VR, um, which is another one. And they've even um, paired together, and you'll see this in Educause and other places um, um, where increasingly there's getting to be a strong community. So I would encourage people to to be part of that community, um, to, to learn what other places are doing and get involved so, um, yeah, I think that every institution that's serious about using tech uh, to better the student and faculty experience should definitely keep an eye on this going forward because it's going to be a huge breakthrough in our industry uh, and you should get in early. And when we're talking about these really high powered kinds of devices with all the graphics and computing power that you're talking about, that really makes me go straight to our P-series line of workstations. So I'm curious um, I'm sure there's some different graphics, you know, requirements depending on certain softwares, but I feel like there's got to be a sweet spot. So are there certain devices within that ThinkPad, um, ThinkStation portfolio that you think are, are kind of a sweet spot? Yeah, absolutely. When you're thinking about VR, you want to think about processing power, graphics power. Um, so things, for instance, like the P53 workstation um, or the next generation P15. Um, are ways that would be a good way to go. Um, and we've seen people, um, as we talked about eSports, using the Legion line as well. So interesting um, choices in various different directions, depending on um, what is the sweet spot for you. Brian, thank you again uh, for joining us and just sharing all of your expertise on everything from just AR and VR platforms in general and how to define them, where you really see them fitting into the higher education space. Of course, the Lenovo devices that we think are really kind of the foundation for making sure you have a great AR, VR experience, and even kind of giving us a look into the future in terms of 
where we start to see XR become part of the game when we're combining AR and VR. So thanks again. Yeah, thanks. It was good talking with you. For all you listeners out there, be sure to tune in next time as we take another deep dive into popular trends that institutions really need to stay on top of for success in higher education. In the meantime, as we end today's session, I'm going to give you a couple of resources to check out. For one, make sure you're going to solutions.lenovo.com slash workstations. Here you're going to be able to learn more about how modern Lenovo devices like the ThinkPad P53 and the P15 that um, Brian mentioned earlier, which are both powered by Intel Core i9 processors, are really able to power the AR and VR innovation that your institution is looking for. Another one I'd encourage you to go check out is solutions.lenovo.com slash VR dash classroom. This is where you're going to be able to get the full scoop on the Mirage headset and the VR classroom experience that Brian mentioned before. Both excellent resources to make sure you're as up to speed as possible when it comes to introducing AR and VR into your organization. And please definitely feel free to keep exploring TPU and IOTA Theta to learn more about how Lenovo is a champion of higher ed computing. I'm Casey Sutton, and we'll see you around campus. 